It is the Healthy Families Podcast, and I am your host, Jenny Hatch. Just about an hour ago, the House Republican leadership held a press conference celebrating the fact that the House had just passed the Parents' Bill of Rights. Because my blog, my podcast, my work online is devoted to parental rights, especially around healthcare and education, this was a huge win for my work and for my message, which is that parental rights are sacred and that parents who have the most skin in the game regarding their children's education, their children's health, they are the most invested and interested in how their children develop and grow, parents and grandparents, and the greater community at large, composed of taxpayers, neighbors, friends, community. We should all join together and making certain that the healthiest and most enlightened and informative childhood is experienced by each of our children, starting when they begin in the public schools or even in the private schools in our midst. So I was thrilled with everything I heard. I watched many of the speeches from yesterday and the fighting is fierce, but don't tell me that elections don't have consequences because it was only with a Republican majority in the House that this bill passed. What happens next in the Senate, President Biden? Well, that remains to be seen, but this was the first shot across the bow. It put everybody on record forced them to out themselves legislatively, either with a speech or with a vote on how they feel about parental rights. And as they say in the world of auto racing, it's time to go. Let the debates begin. And these passionate debates that happened yesterday in our House of Representatives should now be happening all across the Fruited Plain as we start to grapple with what it means to have true parental rights. So I'm going to begin with a speech that was passionately given on the floor of the House yesterday by AOC, who really laid out the left's position in the most articulate way. Before they claim that this is not about banning books and not about harming the LGBT community, let's just look at the impacts of similar Republican legislation that has already passed on the state level. Look at these books that have already been banned due to Republican measures. The life of Rosa Parks. This apparently is too woke by the Republican Party. Song of Solomon is is unacceptable to Republican politics. 40% of banned books 
have report, reported are significantly addressing and specifically addressing LGBT issues. To say and talk about government reach and freedom, this is a legis this is a bill, this Republican bill is asking the government to force the outing of LGBT people before they are ready. And talking about the rights of parents in this gallery today, the National Parents Union is here saying, don't do this. I have a letter that I'd like to submit where they are asking the Republican Party to keep culture wars out of classrooms. Our children need urgent and aggressive educational solutions. The American Library Association coming out against this Republican proposal. When we talk about progressive values, I can say what my progressive value is, and that is freedom over fascism. Thank you very much. So AOC's passionate speech was indicative of what you heard, and I appreciate her passion. I do. I also think it's important to hear from someone like President Trump, who recently gave a speech in Iowa where he outlined his policies should he be put back in place as our president. So this speech is important, too. Here's a clip from it. I will immediately sign a new executive order to cut federal funding for any school that's pushing critical race theory, transgender insanity. sexual or political content on our children, their children. You know the amazing thing about that? Look at the hand you get for that. Bigger than, uh, we're going to be energy independent. The amazing thing is 10 years, if somebody said that, you wouldn't even know what they're talking about. That they can mutilate our children is without your permission. Parental rights. I said the other day, I will bring back parental rights into our school system, right? Place. And the place went crazy. The, you know, the place went crazy. And I said, can you imagine what I'm doing? I'm saying, parents, you have rights. That's what I've said, basically, simple. Parents, you have rights. The place goes crazy because our country has gone crazy with this nonsense. I really believe it's people that hate our country. It has to be. It's people that hate our country. And just as you're doing right here in Iowa, we will keep men out of women's sports. That's another reason why. So that was pretty much all he said about this issue during that speech. I am interested in talking to those of you who have showed up to listen. So if anybody is interested, just go ahead and call in. I am planning to play a segment, perhaps even all, of the press conference that just ended. And I watched most of it and agreed with so much of what was said. I, I was sad to see that the Democrats voted as a block against this bill. And I just feel like it shouldn't even be a question whether or not we have parental rights. 
But it is the issue of the day. It is the current zeitgeist, the current thing. And I am so pleased that the people on the right in Congress have determined that this is going to be the hill to die on in terms of legislation and argument. So let's hear what they had to say during this press conference. It was so good. an Aussie dude. I, I have two Aussies, Teddy and Cash. You haven't seen my dogs? I have. I'm talking about I didn't know their name. Yeah. Teddy Roosevelt and Johnny Cash. Uh, thank you all for joining us. You know, uh, the Republicans put out our commitment to America. And in our commitment to America, we said we were going to have a parent's bill of rights. So this is Speaker Kevin McCarthy speaking at this press conference, which just wrapped up about two hours ago and just after they took the vote. This is exactly what we just passed on the floor today. We're keeping our commitment. It's just another check off on all what we said we would do. It's a bill that Julia Letlow actually introduced in the last Congress, moved forward to this Congress. What's very interesting is that the Democrats thought it was too extreme. That the Democrats believed that parents shouldn't have a say in their kids' education and to actually know what the reading material is. Democrats believed that was extreme. Democrats didn't believe that uh, in this bill we say parents have a right to be heard, that they should be able to go to school board meetings and not be called terrorists, that they could have a say. But Democrats thought that was too extreme. Parents should have a right to know where their tax dollars are being spent in the schools, the budgets. But Democrats thought that was too extreme. In this bill, we protect the children's privacy. But the data can't be, be sent around that parents should know what they do with it. But Democrats thought that was too extreme. We thought parents should know if there's any violent activity on campus. Not just to your child, but to any, so you'll be warned. But Democrats thought that was too extreme. Today was a win for every mother, every father, but most importantly, for every student in America. You have a parent's bill of rights now. But unfortunately, the Democrats are too extreme to believe that parents should have a stake in their kids' education. This bill will go on to the Senate. We hope they'll be able to take it up. But this is a win and a change for America. We watched just a short time ago that the Biden administration would go after parents if they went to school board meetings just to find out what was happening. We watched a father get arrested at a school board meeting when his daughter was attacked in a, cla- in a bathroom. All that is changing today. You now have a say in your kid's education. You get the warning. If there's any violence on the campus, you get to know where the money is being spent. And you get to know what the reading materials are. And you get to protect your children's privacy as well. I just want to thank Julia Letlow, Chairwoman Fox, for their work on this. And for all the members for helping putting this across the line. And for the American public to trust us with the majority. And we're keeping our promise to you, our commitment to America the parents will have a say in their kids' education. With that, let me bring up our Majority Leader, Steve Scalise. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And today was an important victory for parents who deserve to have a say in their kids' education. It's unbelievable that here in Washington, you didn't see everybody coming together 
for such a basic right, uh, the Parents' Bill of Rights, the fact that not a single Democrat would vote to allow parents to have a say in their kids' education shows you how extreme this Democrat Party has become in Washington. And yet parents have been calling for this for two years. We saw during COVID with shutdowns, with lockdowns, where parents actually got to look beneath the veil, actually got to see what was happening in their kids' education. And many were alarmed that they weren't seeing their kids learning, reading, writing, and arithmetic. They actually were seeing things that made them concerned to ask questions like, can I see my kids' curriculum? And they were even more shocked when they found out that there were union bosses who didn't want their kids to be able uh, to find out what was going on in the classroom. They didn't want the parents to know. Uh, And so we brought forward the Parents' Bill of Rights. And I applaud Julia Letlow, uh, Virginia Fox, all the members of the Education Committee for making this a priority. As Speaker McCarthy said, when we laid out our commitment to America, if we got the majority, we would actually go fight for those families who have been left behind. And up here in Washington, some issues should be so straightforward that everybody should come together. But if they're not, then at least we're willing to stand up and fight for those parents, for those kids who were being left behind, who were being denied opportunity. And so here in Washington today, members of Congress had a choice to make. Do you stand with union bosses or parents and their kids? There was no middle button to press. You either sided with the union bosses who don't want parents to see what's happening in the classroom or you side with the parents and their kids. And all of us here today are proud to say we, as House Republicans, sided with parents having a right to be involved in their kids' education. And if the Democrats are going to be too extreme as they showed they are today, we're going to continue to fight for them anyway. And let's have the Senate hear from parents all across America. Let's have President Biden hear from parents all across America, and maybe they'll get the message. But in the meantime, we're going to keep fighting for them. The man who delivered the votes as our whip, Tom Emmer. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, uh, Virginia, for your leadership, Julia, all these great members. As a dad of seven, I know firsthand how important it is for parents to know what's happening in their child's classroom. House Republicans are making sure that parents receive the transparency and accountability they deserve with this Parents' uh, Bill of Rights Act. According to the left, if you're concern, a concerned parent speaking out at a school board meeting, just like Kevin told us, the speaker, you are a domestic terrorist. And just this week, a Democrat Georgia state representative suggested that many parents are disqualified from having input in their child's education because, quote, a lot of those parents did not finish high school. Not only are these comments completely tone deaf, they are dangerous and downright wrong. We know that a child's success depends on parental involvement, and Republicans will always make sure that parents have a seat at the table. This bill should have passed unanimously, but unfortunately, some members are more concerned with appeasing the teachers' unions and radical activists in their party rather than standing with parents. Once again, House Republicans are governing on behalf of Americans while our colleagues across the aisle continue to default to the leftist lunacy their party has become beholden to. I want to make myself clear. Parents will never be left behind so long as House Republicans are in the majority. Today was a big win for families as we brought another major piece of legislation, common sense, one step closer to the president's desk. And now I turn it over to our conference chair, Elise Stefan. 
Thank you to the whip, Tom Emmer. It is clear today that the Republican Party is the party of parents. Not a single Democrat crossed the aisle to vote on behalf of parents and kids across this country. And as Tom pointed out, this should have been a unanimous vote. This is a clear choice here, folks. We proudly stand for parents as the driving decision makers for their kids' education. We stand for transparency and we stand for educational rigor. As a new mom, that is so important to me. As I think about one of the keys to the American dream, it is making sure that we have the very best education and parents are the drivers to make that happen. I'm proud to be an original co-sponsor of the bill as a member of the Education and Workforce Committee, and I am so honored to introduce our hardworking chairwoman, a grandmother, a mom, an educator herself, Dr. Virginia Fox. Thanks. Well, at least stole one of my lines. The Republican Party is the party of parents and children. We fought hard against the bureaucrats and the unions to have parents have a voice in their children's education. It is, again, as my colleagues have said, it makes all the sense in the world for parents to know what's being taught in the classroom. It makes all the sense in the world for them to know where the money's coming from, where the money's going. We are empowering parents and students with the Parents' Bill of Rights. It, and it is the right thing to do. And as, again, my colleagues have said, this bill should have passed unanimously. What's wrong with the Democrats that they're not in favor of giving parents the information that they need to help their children succeed in school? Something's wrong with this picture when they are doing that. But we did our job here today. We fulfilled one of the key tenets of the commitment to America by having parents be informed so they can help their children. Education is not being seen in high esteem these days in our country. We want the education to be the best it can be in the world as it has been in the past. It isn't now. We need to improve what's happening in education and giving parents this Bill of Rights will help that along with their children. And now the prime sponsor of the legislation, Dr. Julia Letlow. What an incredible day for parents. And I want to thank Speaker McCarthy and Leader Scalise for uh, bringing this bill to the forefront. Uh, top five bills. What an incredible day. Uh, you know, I'm a mom, but I'm also an educator. And we know that when parents and educators form a partnership, that students succeed. And that was really the impetus for this bill. It's about transparency. It's about giving parents a voice. And today, we did just that. And I could not be more grateful to my colleagues for pushing this through. But again, today is about parents. I am so excited. Uh, this was a, a monumental day for us and for our party. Thank you so much. And I'm going to get it back to you, Speaker McCarthy. <laughs> if you see behind me, there are a lot of people involved with it. Burgess Owens, one of the reasons you ran for Congress was about education. And what an exciting day it is. It's unfortunate that just the common sense, because it doesn't matter who you are, where you live in the community, what color your skin or how much wealth you have. Once you have a child, you will do anything to help that child. In America, education is the great equalizer. And as we know, parents should have a say in their kids' education. We named this HR5 for a number of different reasons, the five pillars. At age five is when you go to kindergarten. But we have such an extreme minority party that couldn't even denounce socialism. Just as an extreme minority party that thinks you should decriminalize carjacking and even some forms of murder. Just as an extreme 
minority party and the Democrats that they think parents should have a say in their kids' education. They think it's okay for a DOJ to call parents terrorists if they go to a school board meeting. That's no longer the case in America because this Congress is fighting for you and is a voice for you. The parents now have a bill of rights in their kids' education and have a say. With that, let's open up the question. Yes. Okay, I've got a few of you listening here on the call-in app. Would anybody like to call in and chat? This is about having a chat. So, um, looks like Gator. Oh, Gainer. Uh, I thought you were Gainer. This is actually Brady. This is actually just one of Brady's many proxies. This is Brady, full disclosure. Oh. I just hey, Brady. happened What's to up? be logged into one of my proxies. Um, but, um, yeah, this is, it sounds nice. Uh, it's very cool. I just caught the last few minutes of it, but, um, my concern is it doesn't seem very children oriented. It's more parent oriented, but I, it seems like it is in, in the greater scheme of things oriented in making children's lives better because I do believe the current public education system is really mental torture for children. It's a mental prison. It doesn't matter how good a teacher you are. Um, you're getting paid to subject children to mental torture, in my opinion. Um, that's just the standard what, core what curriculum. Of, what type of a uh, school situation did you have growing up? A very nice. I, I went to one of the best high schools in Texas, and we had the most kick-ass football team. We had an agriculture building named after the man my grandpa beat up in high school. Um, you know, like... It was an amazing public school modeled after a public prison. It was modeled after a prison, the actual structure of the place. And it felt like a prison. And it was one of the best schools I could have gone to. The school was shit. I mean, I'm sorry, the food was shit. Um, the teachers were stupid. Um, it was bad. Uh, I didn't learn shit. They would, I would have been better left off alone in the library you know so brady um, i'm trying to be i'm trying to be a little bit more forceful in my no profanity so i'll give you sorry a few more minutes i'm gonna i'm gonna you, yeah i caught myself using, i caught myself there i'm just if you keep using a little the triggered profanity the i'm gonna cut you out but you know if i'm a little you triggered by the, language by a little experience. bit i've noticed on other shows you, you don't have any problem you know not sharing the f-bombs so I'd appreciate that here as well. And for all of those listening, that's going to be my new standard. So yeah, do you have anything else that. you want to contribute? I can respect that. I'm thinking about running for like local school board, just seeing what they, what they think, because I mean, I taught kids had a program here in town and I was the, you know, school favorite teacher. Like everyone loved my content that I was making, showing kids how to build video games and kids loved me. You know, I had a really cool music class that I introduced. I taught them all how to play Magic the Gathering. And I can teach them all how to garden. I know a lot about science. If a kid comes to me with a science question, I can answer it. You know, I can give them a good answer. I remember when I was in school, um, I would go to the science teachers. that I, I wasn't taking their class, but I'd knock on their door. The physics instructors, like, after, after in between classes, whatever. I'd ask them a question and they'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd be like, well, okay. <laughs> like, who's teaching if us? You were, if you had a child today, what sort of school situation do you think you would seek out for them? I would be homeschooling personally. Um, and I. What if your kid wanted to go to school? I would encourage them against it, but I'd let them do it as long as they wanted to. But I'm, I'm, I'm certain they would much prefer my homeschool options than public school. 
Well, thank you for your participation. Any other thoughts on this bill? Do you think it'll pass? Do you think it'll be a good thing? Well, like I said, I caught the last few minutes of it. Can you give me, give me the recap of like what's in it? I think it sounds good. Sounds good so far. Anything that gives parents more power in the school situation, I think is a good thing. Um, I know that um, schools have been shutting down parents speaking in conferences and meetings and stuff. And, you know, you defeat bad speech with better speech. You don't uh, censor the parents. What they should be doing is if they're having a problem with parents at those meetings, they should be educating the parents at those meetings with better speech instead of censoring. I agree. Thanks so much for your participation. I'm in, unless anyone else in the queue would like to participate. So, BK, I don't know that I've ever talked to you before. Who are you? Oh, uh, I actually, I did call in once before. I changed my uh, profile pic uh, this week. Um, so, sorry about being tricky. But, <laughs> um, no problem. I... I uh, I mean, I, uh, other call-ins, and um, I always think, you know, you you bring a lot of interesting stuff. To, you know, I, I think you're like a real, you know, we disagree on a lot, but I really respect uh, just how well-researched you always show up and um, how articulate, and um, I don't know, I just think you're really cool. Um, well, thanks. I, I really admire your work ethic and everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I when I hear parents' rights, I immediately get kind of worried because... Um, I, I'm more of a children's rights person, I think. Um, I think that a lot of kids are, you know, trapped in difficult situations. Um, and uh, so there's the legal system has this really difficult balance between, you know, protecting kids and give. But I know that this is an education issue. Um, and, and, you know, I don't have kids. I'm a step parent. And that's very different from being a, you know, parent parent. Because, uh, like, showed up in the family when they were basically teenagers already. Um, so I, 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 and like, I, I think it's a really interesting question you keep asking, like, what would, what would you want to do with your kids? And my response too is like, I think I would, I would want to do like a homeschool co-op just because I feel like schools are such horrifically abusive environments. Um, but just thinking about like the content that's like allowed inside an actual like school's textbook, um, because most parents, you know, don't have the option to homeschool because they're economically you know, trapped in their city. Like, most people just don't have the funds to stay home all day. Um, so, you know, but, like, I guess I'm worried about, like, a, a town full of people who think that, you know, the Vietnam War shouldn't be studied because it's embarrassing, just, like, taking the Vietnam War out of the textbook. And, um, like, if, if, if it's too... If, if local school boards are too majoritarian, is there a, a risk of... Uh, of textbooks kind of just because, I mean, they're already full. Of, I mean, it's like, <laughs> we already teach that like Oswald killed JFK, which is kind of absurd at this point, you know? Right. Um, well, so. you know, one of the things they said in the bill is they just want parents to be able to see the curriculum. And even that is so controversial. And as a parent, I'm like, you know, I would like to see what you're teaching my kid, but they don't want that. So how do you feel about that? That's censorship on the other side. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, I heard the other day that, like, all this Common Core stuff came from Bill Gates. And, right. like, I used to think that all this Bill Gates stuff was just conspiracy theories, but 
you know, Ukraine has really radicalized me and uh, <laughs> lots of things that I used to think were conspiracy theories that I'm not so sure anymore. So I, yeah, I, 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 I do hope that we can have more conversations about like the standards. For teaching well, I got to tell you about Bill Gates because it's really funny. When they were revising the history curriculum for Common Core, he wanted to have a big four-page color spread right in the middle of the history textbooks about that great entrepreneur, Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> so that tells you where his heart is. He wants to be immortalized and uh, have a cult of personality built around himself. But he was the money, the money backs behind, behind so much of that. It's ridiculous. And he's just announced, I have a math podcast on Colin as well. Where I've been sharing this book written by this amazing author who outed the math wars. But Bill Gates has announced next year that he's going to come in and fix math in America. Billions of, of dollars devoted to fixing it. And, and what nobody's really pointing to except this author is Bill Gates himself who derailed math in the most significant way with his Common Core math. Common Core math became a meme. It became a joke because the kids were being taught this crazy stuff about math. And it was Bill Gates who instigated all that. But now he's here with the fix. And there is a parallel there that you can point to his history of he came up with Microsoft and and he, we have all these viruses coming into our computers. Oh, and there's Bill with the fix with his antiviral software, made so much money on the antiviral software. Well, then we come to find out many of those viruses were, were put in place by Bill Gates himself. And you go to healthcare and you see he's all in with the vaccines. He's all, all in with the healthcare. And what do you know? He's part of that same exact paradigm of, oh, we're going to give you this disease, this, this gain of function virus that's been meddled with in all of these labs. Oh, and then we have the cure in the form of this vaccine. We're going to come in and fix that. And that's where they make the bank. That's where they make the money is with the vaccine. It's a pattern of behavior that I wish somebody on the world stage would just point to and say, could we just get this guy off the world stage, just send him packing, hold him accountable for as many crimes. But no, here's Bill. He's going to fix math. Well, yeah, I, I know just, he would, he would have them fired, right? Because uh, I forget who, God, I'm watching so many podcasts lately. I forget who it was the other day that said that he even hides a lot of his donations. Like, like he hides the fact that he's the number one donator to the World Health Organization through right. UNICEF and all this other stuff. But, well, I get, just to get back to the education stuff, I guess, like, if you, if you had to put your kids in public school, like, what would you want the standards to be for the textbooks? Well, I was part of a group of families that set up one of the most dynamic charter schools in Colorado when in the early 90s when my kids were being homeschooled by my husband and I. And there is this standard called the Massachusetts Standard, which um, many people in education and, you know, private schools, parents agree is kind of like the top academic, most rigorous math, language arts, languages, science, history. I mean, it's the best of the best, creme de la creme. It, pre it prepares students like nothing else to do high level work in colleges and universities. So our little group of families aspired to have this Massachusetts model in our own charter and set it up. You know, the parents were on the committees for not just the, the board of the school, 
but the curriculum committees. And so they set out to find, and I wasn't part of the curriculum committees, but I heard stories of how much effort went into finding the best math and the other curriculums that they used. And they were solid. And then they also added in a character ed curriculum, which is not religious. Character ed is teaching kids the value values of things like being honest and kind and other personality traits that you just want in good people. And so with a lot of very deliberative thought, this charter school was set up and the results have just been astounding in terms of test scores, the kids who are happy with, I had three of my own kids graduate from that school, the happy friendships they developed, not only with their friends, but also with their teachers who served as mentors and wrote, wrote letters of recommendation. And, you know, the goodwill generated by the school goes on in this next generation of kids. And so I watched that happen. I watched kind of like a new model, if you will. And one of the most important things about this school is that the parents had the ability to fire teachers. When's the last time you heard about a teacher being fired? Well, I'm not super involved in schools, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand that, yeah, there's definitely easier to fire a teacher who's not in a union. Um, it's almost impossible to fire a teacher, especially if they have tenure. Right. I, I Yeah, I hear that. I, and, and it does sound like, especially for math and, you know, language arts abilities, it feels like there should just be an easier to find, you know, just standard of, like, best practices but when it comes to like what should we put in the history books in public schools like uh how how did how did you all figure out that standard well it was brilliant they they took howard zinn's people's history and used it all through the high school wow but they also had a patriots guide to history that had been written by a a very prominent academician who history was his wheelhouse and so they used both texts. My kids bought, had to buy the books. They bought both texts. I shared with, I'm an anti-communist, so I shared with my kids my problems with Zinn's books and where I felt like he didn't do due diligence and tell the whole story. But then they also had this other book. And the teachers were very vocal about saying, you should read several authors on this same topic to get a broadened view. How about that? Instead of censoring each other's stories, or saying this book's valid and this book's not. Let's teach the kids everything and let them discern for themselves what feels right and what fits with their lived experience. And, you know, how about that? Yeah, no, that that's very convincing. Um, you've definitely convinced me that you're on this call. In. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's all I have to add. Um, Thank you so, so I, much for showing up. I really appreciate your voice. Yeah, I appreciate you, too. All right. Next up, thought you were Gator before. Welcome, Gator. Welcome, Gator. Hey, hang on. Just hold on a second. I've got to sort something Right, there you go. Um, how are you doing? You all right? Doing good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I just wanted to sort of add something a little bit to the previous caller's um, concerns about Common Core. In the text now, there's a 2015 very niche podcast link to um, the, what's called the mind renewed, which is 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 pretty fringe, but actually had has got um, well, it's got heavy Christian slant, but it also has just some very interesting um, uh, episodes which I was listening to a long time ago, and this is where I first came across this um, 
Can you drop a link in the chat so we can yeah, go it's look in there at now. it? Okay, and, thanks. Um, and what's worth noting about it, about that particular episode, is that this guy, Dr. Duke Pester, was flagging concerns about the Common Core curriculum because um, essentially he believed that the, the method and content was actually totally inadequate. And he pointed out something. I'm pretty sure this is, um, I haven't listened to it for a while, but I'm pretty sure that it was in this podcast that he said that one of the philosophies of teaching math in Common Core abandoned the need for students to necessarily arrive at the correct mathematical answer which sounds insane and he basically described a process whereby in say a group of three or five kids they would be asked a question what's two plus two and they might be given a multi-choice answer which is four five seven or nine and basically it wasn't they did not have to get the correct mathematical answer in order to be scored correctly or as right, what Common Core had in it was at some point in the math curriculum, it had in it the concept that these children needed to simply discuss the problem with each other and, and by consensus arrive at an answer selection. Even if the answer was mathematically wrong, they would be considered to have been right because they were being assessed on their ability to essentially agree consensus, not perform maths, right? Necessarily. And I, and can, I, found... I can confirm that in fact is what happens. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm glad you 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 confirm this, right? Because clearly you you do not have to be expert or even capable in math whatsoever to understand that that is a form of um in insanity at one extreme and total invalidity at the other right because maths doesn't work like that and it doesn't need to work like that and 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 essentially a corollary of what this guy was pointing out was that this curriculum is essentially demonstrably trying to do something to students which shouldn't be done which is essentially to try to create a mind of a drone who does yep. not have the ability to independently and critically reason and perform um, self-induced learning for the rest of their life, but they are simply compliant to a system that tells them what to do without questioning it because they don't have the ability to question it. And that's what I took away from that Common Core thing. Now, fast forward several years, and there's a link I'll stick in now, which is just a search results. If you just simply search um, Gate, Bill Gates Common Core Failure, you just get a ton of articles which in which he admits um, the, the shortcomings of Common Core and then essentially was allowed to continue to double down on the curriculum and, 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 and correcting and improving it. It's like, hang on, if this doesn't work and this is garbage, why on earth would one persist with it? But obviously that's not how the game works, is it? There's so much lovely money to be made. Yeah, and and if we sort of move forwards from then to now, and we look at what is happening inside the education system from the point of, you know, the woke agenda and these things about how on earth can it be that teachers are able to essentially bizarrely sexualize children with with explicit forms of sexual education occurring at ages as you you know below the age of nine. OK, and no matter whether you're a conservative or liberal or progressive, whatever flavor of person you might want to label yourself as plenty of people across the spectrum can agree that 
there may this may be inappropriate and therefore why can't parents be told about it why is it le left to project veritas to perform some undercover um filming of a of a militant who is basically boasting about how they've managed to corrupt sex education for children yeah i saw that video so i'm going to share an anecdote it's a personal story because i homeschooled off and on had her kids in charter school off and on my youngest is the one who did the most homeschool because he couldn't stand school, but he experienced some of this common core math in the eighth grade. My two older sons were both math tutors at the universities and the math labs where they attended. So they were deeply, and one majored in math, so math is their thing. So one of my sons was home one time trying to help Ben with his homework, and all of the curriculum had been embedded on these mini iPads, so every kid in the district had a mini iPad and that's where it wasn't, no more books, it was just these iPads. And he started reading this problem that Ben was having trouble with and he said, I don't know what they're asking. I don't even know how to answer it because I don't know what they're asking. And to me, that was a summation of this common core experience that my kid had in the eighth grade that if you don't even know what you're being asked, how can you possibly give the right answer? So there's that side of it, just the nonsensical side of the math. But then you have these teachers who will give a kid an A for effort, but then a kid who's just frustrated and doesn't know what to do and is just guessing, sometimes they'll label them math disabled. And then the parents freak out because they know math is the gateway to higher ed. You have to pass college algebra if you want to do the hard sciences. That's a fact. So the parents freak and they're like, what can we do? We'll hire private tutors. Or, oh gosh, there's this math lab that was just set up in town and they'll go pay big bucks for after-school math tutoring in these labs. Well, who funds the labs? Who set them up? What I've discovered is that as Common Core was being rolled out, that these textbook companies knowingly, knowingly put these curriculums in place knowing that a huge percentage of the kids were gonna come up math disabled, and this is where the big bucks are involved, Parents, again, will do anything, pay anything to make certain their kids are successful in school, especially with math. So they go to these centers, pay the big bucks, fix my kid. And sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't, depending on how disabled the kid is. There are children in high school who cannot solve basic arithmetic without a calculator. So when you're being timed, tested, and there's a deadline, and you've got to get it done in a certain amount of time, and you're pulling out your calculator to five times six, you know, that's gonna give you longer times in your math abilities. It takes longer to take the test. You're not gonna pass. So you've got these two things budding together with what's happened with the curriculums and the education establishment and the math establishment. And then the parents going, look, I just want my kid to be able to succeed, to go to college, to have a life, to have a career. And you're telling me no, because he's disabled. This is what my math podcast is about, is giving that history, explaining how it all came to be, and then empowering parents with real curriculums. I don't necessarily know that homeschooling is the answer. The kids miss out on so much when they're kept home. So many potential relationships, that really great English teacher, an amazing coach who mentors them in their sport. They miss out on so much when they're home with just mom and dad that I was the one constantly encouraging my youngest son to go to school, go to school. If you can stand it, go. He couldn't stand it. It was too illogical. It was too crazy. So over and over, he came back home after trying, finally graduated from an online school, and now he's, he's doing college-level work. My point is, 
We've got to fix the problem. And this bill that just passed, God bless them for doing it. It has the answers just in terms of parents being able to see what the curriculum is. Parents having the ability to fire a local school administrator. Parents having the ability to just grasp their child's privacy, their private education records, and their private health records, and say, no, you cannot share this data with anyone. And, and that is a huge part of Common Core, because when Common Core was set up, that was one of the big goals. They want the kids' data. They want all of it. They want their academic records. They want their health records. They want their biometrics when they are taking a test. They want to know how the kid is feeling when they take a certain test or answer a certain question. It is a crazy amount of data that's been generated since 2011 when Common Core was largely a, a, a adapted by the American public schools. And it's this side of it that I've been yelling about for this whole time. But it's finally now getting the place where, where our politicians recognize this is, this is something we have to fix. And so I, I just am over the moon happy that this passed the House. I know it's not going to go anywhere with Biden. But President Trump is pounding these same drums, indicating what he is going to do when he's president in 2024. And it's why I support him. Do you have any other thoughts, Gator? I mean, politics aside, um, some of the earliest stuff that you were, you were speaking about, okay, it's in the drive towards um, basically increasing scrutiny of various aspects of a person's biometric identity in any situation. Um, what people should try to avail themselves of is a sense of history in any um, socioeconomic system and the role that school plays in that. And two obvious examples, which I've mentioned in other fora before, include um, Romania and and, Ch and Mao, uh, China under Mao. So basically, in in under Ceausescu uh, in the Soviet era of Romania, it was essentially rumoured that one in three people in society were um, informants for the secret police, the Securitate. So in a one-child household, one of the people at dinner was potentially an informant and it's highly likely that that informant would be the child because the system um, deigned that the, the the easiest way to deliver propaganda was to children in school and those children were obviously highly mentally pliable which is why you do that uh, but also because they're little hoovers of information and, and they repeat stuff essentially they become unwitting spies on their own families and then at schools would be co-opted as a sessions where children would 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 basically um inform either wittingly or unwittingly and then once a teacher received some kind of um, flag or got some kind of flag that the kids family weren't pulling the um conforming to the agenda or questioning something to do with the propaganda then obviously the securitate could start going and investigating and surveilling and pulling them in and arresting them and doing whatever else and ultimately potentially even disappearing members of the family. And that mechanism um, is also essentially was in play in various forms in, in Mao's China. And they didn't even have um, the kinds of technology that we have. They, if they wanted to listen to somebody, they, had, they basically had to get in the house next door, drill a hole in the wall, right? Um, and, and what do we do? Well, we 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 carry our own surveillance that, um, equipment around with us, and we live with and we surround ourselves with it in our house. 
So that's not even needed to be done anymore. We spy, we spy on ourselves, right? right? And people people forget that this is that we are in an era which we've already lived in. And when we lived in it, we rejected it back then. So why, as citizens, do we embrace it? Because we're stupid, basically, because we don't know history. We don't want to know history. And we don't want to possibly entertain the idea that you as the individual are literally your own worst enemy because you are doing things to yourself which are completely against your own interests. And especially if you then promulgate that down to your, your kids and you essentially, you know, put your kids into these positions and don't fight for the for the for the separation of these kind of technologies from children and whatever then who's who's to, who's ultimately going to be to blame at the end of it the the, the government and the corporations are not 100% to blame in this when you have the ability to you know as a parent educate yourself and make decisions and make choices and that's one of the things that's lost is that people must bear responsibility for their own choices. And if they're, if ignorance is a choice, they are responsible for their own ignorance. That's right. Thank you so much for your contribution, Gator. I'm going to go back to the press conference. At this point, Kevin McCarthy was taking questions from the press. And it, in my opinion, this is the best part of the, of the press conference. It's going to go for about um, 15 minutes. So I'm going to just play this because it's really illustrative of where we're at. So here again, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, taking questions from the press. Republicans wanted to abolish the Department of Education, wanted to get Washington out of education. Uh, what do you say to those say this is infusing Washington, infusing parents into education? This has nothing about Washington. This says the parent can now know what's being taught in the school. This is now saying the parents can now look at the reading material. It's now saying the parents can now see what the money is being spent on a school board. It's now saying that the parents can protect their kids' privacy. So if they're selling the data, it now says the parents can have a, a notification if there's any violent activity on campus. This is not about Washington. This is empowering parents. This is the parents' bill of rights. It's knocking down currently with this Biden administration that wants Washington to control all, that wants a DOJ to go after parents when they go to school board meetings. No, this is opening up the schools to the parents. Congress has yes, ma'am. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Just two questions on this bill. One, what do you say to critics who say that it could open the door to bullying and unfair treatment of, of children who are different or who, you know, with trans children? And, and secondly, um, what do you say to some of the incidents at some of the school board meetings that have been, you know, really raising the temperature in a way that could be perceived as, you know, really violent and, and really frightening for people who work on school boards who are... It, it, was, it was very violent in, in Loudoun County when a, when a father went there after already warning that his daughter was molested in a girl's bathroom with a boy wearing a skirt that day. That a violent activity already happened on that campus, but they weren't notified. And when we went back to the school board to wonder what had transpired since that time, he was violently arrested. We now have had an investigation, and finally they got rid of that superintendent and principal that violently did that to a parent. For those who are concerned about bullying, they should celebrate this bill, because now you'll know if there's any violent activity on your on your campus. Not that it just happened to your child, to anyone. So you're warned ahead of time. This is why this is so much stronger for a parent's bill of rights that know what's happening in their kids' education. Yes. 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 Y
in Orlando, you talked about the fact that those conversations have sort of petered out in terms of when your next meeting would be with Biden. What are you going to do to like spur action and get back to the table? Well, I have been waiting to get to the table the entire time. Unfortunately, the president doesn't think it's important. He's really jeopardizing the financial um, markets of America by his activity. You get two questions if you ask about HR5. You had a meeting yesterday that got a lot of attention. All right, you're not going to ask that. I do want to start asking about the talk. In light of the hearing yesterday, do you see momentum growing, and what type of legislation would you support about the social network? Yeah, I mean, if you looked at the TikTok hearing yesterday, it was very concerning. Here's a CEO that can't tell you that China's not spying on the data. And acknowledging that's happening. I think you could find a very a bipartisan bill to come out of energy and commerce. Uh, I know the Senate is working on one, but I believe the House will get one done and will pass it through as would well. Would it be a ban? Yes. Or a ban? Can I ask you about your reaction to the strike in Syria and the Biden administration's response to that? Um, just now getting updates on it, but I think um, we have to be able to defend ourselves, especially when we're watching what's happened in Iran. But it's just another point of a weakness in the Biden administration not listening to his military in Afghanistan and creating 13 new gold star families. Based upon that, look at what the weaponry that Iran has and now watch that America and the world is less safe. Why? Because you have this new creation of an axis of power. Where was President Xi? He was in Russia. They bound together with Iran and with North, North Korea. That makes the world less safe because of the leadership of America, the, the lack of listening to his military leaders. I hope he listened to his military leaders here. What's the status of the GOP border security bills? Well, today you just passed H.R. 5, which I'm sure you want to write about. Why? Because it's about giving the parents a bill of rights, something that hasn't happened here, where if you watch the change, I mean, if the American public is watching today, what they're saying is what has been different with a new Congress? Well, we repealed 87,000 IRS agents so government won't go after you. We created a select committee on China so we can bring jobs back to America, stop balloons from coming around, and give America an opportunity that we're not dependent upon China. We stopped this president from selling our oil to China in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Even though the Democrats were so extreme, we stood up to socialism and said that's wrong, even though 100 would not. We said we'd keep our streets safe, and we started right here when D.C. wanted to decriminalize even one Democrat was mugged that day coming to work, turned the president's uh, ideas around, even though more than 170 Democrats are so extreme, they thought you should decriminalize carjacking and some form of murder. We've just watched now, we kept another promise with H.R. 5, a parent's bill of rights. So I think it's a very big day, and I think it's only going to get better. I have an H.R. 5 question. Some of the language in this bill is very specific. Uh, it's again an opportunity for parents to be informed of what's happening in the schools. Many times there are things happening that the parents know nothing about. They'd like to opt out of them. This is going to give the parents an opportunity to be informed and choose what their parent, what their children participate in. It's it's not extreme and it's not micromanaging at all. 
it's setting up a stage for them. So you're offering. The other thing is, why did we even have to have this bill to start out with? We went through a pandemic where parents now were stuck at home and watching their children be taught online, but actually seeing what is being taught. And then when we went to the school board meeting to ask about it, the first thing we learned is, no, you can't come. And when you couldn't come, we watched the Biden administration use the Department of Justice against parents to go and violently arrest them, to call them terrorists, to keep their eyes off what's happening in Syria last night and others. That's a mistake. So the reason why this bill was created, because parents were denied to have that right. And now they can opt in. Chairman Arrington said yesterday that you guys were finalizing a list of I don't know what he's talking about. It was only because the Democrats are so extreme. They fought the right for a parent to have a say in their kid's education. Can you imagine if you went to a school board meeting, you couldn't be hurt? Could you imagine if you asked to know what's being taught in your kids' education, they wouldn't provide it to you? Could you imagine, if you want to know where your tax dollars were being spent, that they couldn't tell you? Or could you even imagine if something violently happened to a child at your kid's school that they don't warn you about it? And what's so shocking about all this, every single Democrat wouldn't vote for that. Every single Democrat is so extreme, they don't want the parents to have a say in their own kids' education. That's the sadness of where we stand today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sorry, the they left out of the bill? Well, I, I don't know who you're talking to because look at the thousands of parents that actually signed on to the bill. This has had the most input. We went across the country for the last year and you looked at everything that's happening in the last year from Virginia and on. You've looked at what Julia Letlow um, being an educator herself and a mother, listening to mothers. If you would have, I don't know if you came to the um, announcement of it in the Rayburn room. You heard a lot of parents talk, right? You heard a lot of stories. So it's kind of just the opposite of your question. Yes, sir. Yeah, plus we're able to do it, but we didn't. I'd like to see that the president would negotiate. The idea is you talked about 2011. What were those negotiations called? The Biden negotiations. That they were able to work together. I think America is too important to play games with. In February, I sat down with the president and I asked him, let's sit down and negotiate to put America first. We've watched what has happened when the Democrats took the majority, where they spent 5.9 trillion more dollars. We warned them that that would create inflation. We watched inflation rise and all of America to be painfully hurt by that. Now we've watched their own inflation create a banking crisis in America. And he still tries to stay silent and think it should spend more money. We watched the Congressional Budget Office, nonpartisan, sit together and warn us in the next 10 years, America will have to pay $10.5 trillion just in interest. That's like the interest on your credit card. But for the last 80 years in America, you combine all the interest we paid, it's only $9 trillion. We've watched, based upon these Democratic policies, that they're going to cut Medicare and Social Security because the Congressional Budget Office shows us for the first time in history in a 10-year window, three of those trust funds will go insolvent. The Highway Trust Fund, Medicare and Social Security, 
and he doesn't want to do anything and they automatically get cuts. Then we watched this president ignore a banking crisis, inflation. He told us it would be transitory. His own um, Yellen, Secretary of the Treasury, told it would be transitory. Then had to apologize a year later for the pain that they have caused. With the Republicans, I went there and said, I'll be reasonable, rational. Let's put us on a path that we can balance. Let's eliminate inflation. Let's help the banking system by not having inflation continue to grow. Let's not continue this runaway spending. Let's find ways that we can eliminate waste in there. And he refuses to meet well, what's going to happen. He's putting the American economy in jeopardy by doing that. It's very unfortunate. Yes, ma'am. Some of your members had concerns about uh, this hurting federalism when they were discussing it. You were able to assuage quite a few of them. Uh, some were changing you know, Massey's amendments, some were, I think, conversations. Can you talk about how you, how you worked some of the members over to make them, you know? <laughs> Work the members over, no. <laughs> we simply explained the bill. And, you know, I, when you talk about federalism, it means empowering the individual. We just empowered parents to have a say in their kids' education against the infrastructure of a Biden administration that won't allow that to happen. That's exactly what the Republicans stand for. So if you watch, the real concern here is how extreme this liberal Democratic Party has come. Think for one moment. This is not Cal Berkeley, but 100 Democrats here could not denounce socialism. Can you believe that in America? They're elected to U.S. Congress. Every single Democrat here would not allow parents to have a say in their kids' education. Do not want to allow, if something violent happens on your kid's campus, to warn you about it. They don't want to give you what the curriculum, they don't want you to know what books are being read. We're not telling what could be read or not, but not even allowing you to see it. They don't want you to protect it, to even go to a school board meeting. They think it's okay that the DOJ calls you a terrorist if you're a parent. How extreme the socialist Democratic Party has become is scary to me. And so I'm just excited about how thankful we just were able to accomplish. We kept our promise. We kept our commitment to the American people that a parent's bill of rights just passed the floor of the house. And we're going to continue to do more, make our streets safer, secure our borders, and make sure our economy becomes stronger. Thank you. Okay, that's the end of the press conference. The parent, Parents' Bill of Rights just passed the house this morning. And uh, Speaker McCarthy held a press conference. Andrew, I'd love to hear what you have to say if you want to come back in. Um, let's chat. That's what this is all about. Hello, Andrew. Hey, I'm having issues with my internet. Give me a sec. Okay. Okay, so can you hear me? I can. Excellent. What would you rather chat about? Because I have thoughts about the comments that were made about TikTok, and I have thoughts about the bill and comments made about, well, geez, most of that I thought was a lot of nonsense that this guy was going on about, but which would you That's rather very, tackle so first, education or TikTok? Share your thoughts. Yeah, I'm asking which would you rather go into first? It doesn't matter. Okay, so 
I guess with TikTok, let's start with that because it's a quick point. Um, at what point are Google and Facebook and the NSA's behavior any different from what potentially is going on with TikTok in China? And again, they're, they're basing this off of the fact that the CEO of TikTok didn't satisfactorily answer their questions. So they're, they're asserting that it's all just built for Chinese surveillance. But like if, if you use any Google service, if you use any telecom carrier, oh fuck. Andrew, I have a new standard Hang of on no profanity sec, on my shows. Jenny, so I, my service cut to... out. Okay. I can still hear you. Um, I Everybody who has an Alexa device in their house is potentially being surveilled, so I agree with you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. So that's kind of my point. I think that's a sort of a, like a fear-mongering culture war issue that has absolutely no impact on the lives of Americans. I think banning TikTok in the United States and having, you know, aneurysms about the weather balloon that came over that they said was a Chinese spy balloon. I think that's just distracting people from real issues. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you on that as well. Okay. So now with the education portion, um, you know, it seems like this bill is allowing, if I'm not mistaken, in basic terms for parents to either opt their children out of certain programs if they have an ideological issue with it, um, and also to uh, remove school administrators with ease. Is that more or less true? So they're kind of circumventing the school boards and allowing parents to petition and make that happen on their own. Is that I ha- more I or less? Not, I have not read the bill, so that kind of detail I do not know. Uh, they outlined five points during the press conference that sounded good to me. But the actual details of how it will play out, I don't know what that looks like. I just love anybody who's talking about parental rights. I see. But, you know, like they could make a bill called the parental rights are going to be enshrined forever bill um, and make it just completely not about that. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm aware of that. Like to me, this seems like an attempt to continue to privatize what's left of the public school system in the United States and make it a for-profit venture. Um, It's kind of like when um, in 2006, the Congress and Bush passed the, uh, oh, I can't remember. I think it was like the the Postal Service Modernization and Efficiency Act or something like that. It was in 2006, you can look it up. And it basically, it changed their uh, requirements around uh, pensions where it, it forced the Postal Service to pay 10 or 15 or maybe it may have even been 50 years in advance the, the benefits, the retirement benefits and pensions and other uh, medical benefits of all the employees, um, which actually bankrupted what were completely self-sufficient Postal Service programs. And in the years since, all of those programs, like, for instance, global insured shipping were given away to FedEx and other private carriers. Um, so that's my immediate take hearing this um, and, and hearing the, um, the kind of window dressing where they're saying that we're just doing this because we're common sense people and, and we don't want the insane uh, commie socialist Democrats to get away with not letting parents know what's being taught in their children's class. Like, 
my parents always knew what were being taught in my classes if they went and talked to the teachers or if they just talked to me about what's being taught in the class. What, um, what, was your education, a, what was your education background? My education background? Private, public, uh, what did you do? Private and public school. And did you there go to college? A, I did. If you had kids today, would you send them to school? Um, well, I would want to see large changes in the school system, so I would probably try to find an alternative school for them. If there, there are public alternative schools that allow for the students to have more choice in what they're learning. Are you, can you hear me? Yeah, it looks like you're, you're frozen. Oh, okay. I just keep getting weird uh, visual cues on Colin that makes me think it's all frozen. Are you, are you a father? I just assumed you weren't. You always sound like kind of a single guy, but. Uh, I'm married. I'm not a father. Okay. Well, but I good. have been a teacher for, geez, I guess like eight years now. Oh, I didn't know you were a teacher. What yeah. do you teach? Um, I teach history, science, and um, kind of like outdoor skills usually. Um, but I also oh. teach ecological restoration and some kind of basic, basic, basic carpentry and plumbing. I think I have you confused with Andrew in Denver. Are you are you Andrew, who's the professor? No. Okay. I'm not a professor. Too many Andrews at Colin. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's just a lot of us in general in my. Uh, generation. There were, in my high school class, there were, just in my grade, there were seven other Andrews. Well, one of my sons is Andrew, so it's a lot of Andrews. Well, I appreciate your opinion as an educator. I agree with you. We need to watch it and make sure private interests do not take over, particularly the math establishment, the word, word, uh, word, oh, site method, what's it called? Whole language cult. That's what I call it. The whole language cult. It does a very poor job of teaching children how to read. We need to watch that these corporate interests do not completely take over. And I, I'm grateful you brought that up because there's so much money to be made from disabilities in math and reading. And that's honestly where, where the money just churns. And so, yeah, I mean, like, that's just kind of my first take, um, you know, hearing about this bill and seeing similar bills that DeSantis introduced in Florida is that they're they're really not going to give parents any more power than they already have to talk with their students, teachers, go to school board meetings, and also to, you know, I'm not a big believer in American democracy. I don't think it works very well. I don't think that it is a democracy in the most places, but the school board is actually one of the few exceptions where you can win a school board position easily if there really is some fucked up shit going on in your school district in particular schools where your children go how do, um, how do you you're not the, the only how do you feel uh, about how do you feel about data collection because that's a big issue for a lot of families well again data collection is going on in every aspect of our lives if it if it's able to generate profit under capitalism it will be done so i think that the data collection Every single transmission that goes to and from your phone is collected by governments under the, you know, the five eyes system, which is mostly the United States and the rest of the former British Empire and other parts, you know, other allies in NATO. They collect all data and they call it lawful interception. So they 
are already, and you know, reading does... everything that's possible to read about you. They're doing it in the banks. They're doing it everywhere. So if you're using technology in your school at all, there's already going to be data collection, whether or not the school board or the district or even the Department of Education authorize it specifically. Yeah, I agree with that. How does your wife feel about school? And is are you guys at loggerheads? Because I really wanted to homeschool the whole way through. My husband was like, no, they got to go to school. And so we had a big family fight off and on for years about what to do with these kids. Are, do you anticipate yeah. having any issues with her if you want to go one direction or she wants well, to go another with your kids? My wife is also a teacher um, and she um, she's really good at it. And she generally works more in the traditional school system than I do. Um, that being said, it's definitely a little different in Mexico. Um, so, you know, it's hard to say. Maybe in Mexico, um, I would be more in favor of putting our kids through the public schools here. And in the United States, kind of depends on the district and what's available. Um, but I think in general, like some big changes I would like to see in school would be uh, a huge focus away from completely, you know, predominantly indoor education. I think that allowing kids more hours for um, freely designated on their, you know, on their own autonomy, like play and learning on their own outdoors, as long as they have resources and supervision, I think that that is, that's the environment where when I have taught kids, they have learned the most, been the healthiest and the happiest. And so I was really disappointed that during the pandemic, Although, you know, all the lockdown procedures happened and rather than, you know, focus schools to be outdoors where it was safe to, you know, at that time, people thought it was relatively safe to gather in groups outdoors. And that was proven a number of times throughout the pandemic that transmission is extremely low outdoors. Um, instead of moving towards um, innovating and and doing away with some of the standardized testing things, they sacrificed the kids health and um and just tried to give contracts to Microsoft and whoever else and make school an online enterprise where they, you know, they don't have to compensate the teachers for as much of their time. They don't have to prepare the kids as much. They just send them a module and, you know, that's that and have them do it on a computer. That, that was really frustrating for me and for my wife at that time, she was taking care of a family of kids in the U S um, and th so they had three daughters and, for my wife having, you know, having to supervise them all on three different classes on Zoom at the same time was horrible for her and even worse for the children. Oh, I bet. So, you know, my you know, daughter's I've... my daughter's husband went to a private school in Boulder that was mm -hmm. Waldorf based and up until the 8th grade a bunch of their stuff happened outside. It was freewheeling. Yeah. People, I like the people Waldorf system. It, people called it hippy dippy, but you know, he is one of the most amazing human beings I have ever known and definitely I'm prejudiced but you know he's about to become a young father and he did go to a, a very intense college prep high school experience that he flourished in went to college did great at CU and so mm -hmm. I can I can hear your words that these outdoor ed situations are so ideal especially for boys to be outdoors and working with their hands and then they had a creativity element with lots of music and drama and orchestra at that school. And yeah. when I just think about my own public school education in Detroit, where the Michigan schools were top notch when it came to music. 
and that daily music instruction of music theory and singing choirs and the operas and the musical theater that cannot be replicated in a homeschool environment. Yeah, I'm all for that. I'm a, and that's why I'm I will never give up. I'll never give up on public schools because I do feel like we can make the reforms that need to happen and create these dynamic centers of learning for our kids. Yeah, I'll say um, one other thing that I've noticed at teaching that's been really good for my students has been when there's a mixed age group. Um, I think stratifying the kids into really rigid ages um, is pretty bad for them socially and also for their learning. I think, um, you know, some of the most valuable tools to me have been to move kids into a, uh, you know, if there if there's a range of like two to three years at least, I think that's really good. And to move them into a group that's, a, you know, a slightly older or slightly younger group um, has been really excellent. Like, just for my own um, ease of teaching, like, you know, if you have a kid that's really an attention hog or way too shy, like moving them to a different, a slightly different age array will really work wonders in some cases. Oh, I totally um, agree. I'm a musical theater educator. I've taught in private schools and with homeschool groups. And I did this one summer boot camp. I did camp, theater too. And just we, in had we had kindergarten up to ninth graders participating in this camp. And they learn so much from each other. And the little kids look up to the big kids. And the big kids kind of soften their attitude around the little kids. Totally. It was a very dynamic situation. And we came up with a, a banger of a show. And so I, I, I can absolutely see where there would be so much value in multi-age classrooms yeah. and situations. Yeah. And so I guess just like ultimately I'd like to see a lot more of this conversation going on. And I would like to see it being driven not by Republicans or Democrats. I don't trust any of those fuckers. I don't think that any of them are honest. And I, I gotta don't tell think you, that Andrew, I've, st yeah. I've set up a new, a new standard for my show, which is no profanity. I'm not going to cut you out of the conversation today, but just going forward, I'm really trying to quell it. Cause I want people who are on the right to feel more comfortable with my content. I occasionally toss an F bomb, but I'm trying to do better. So just make a okay. note for, for future shows. I'm trying. Sure. Well, I don't trust any Republican or Democratic politicians whatsoever. Um, ha have I think you that heard, they are all grifters. Have you heard that President Trump wants to abolish the Department of Ed and just get rid of the National Education Association? Well, that would be a big step towards privatizing, wouldn't it? it yeah. I mean, I'm all for it because I don't think it should have been formed in the first place. I think all but, education should be local. But don't you think that it'll be privatized ruthlessly as a result of that? I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe voices like ours can help prevent that and keep it local and keep it public. I mean, I, I kind of I kind of doubt Trump cares what we have to say, because remember, he put uh, Betsy DeVos in as the secretary of education, and yes. uh, she's a huge beneficiary of the charter school system, which is the, the biggest vehicle for privatizing public school in the country. So I don't think that Trump really cares at all, like what ordinary people think or feel about school. I think he's doing what is best for his donors. His his section of American capitalists have invested in him for a reason because he, he provides them with the monetary return. Well, my own kids attended a K through 12 college prep charter here in Boulder, and it, it is one of the best schools in the country. 
And so I mean, they, they can be great, right? But they also are extremely selective, and they allow the the school to be milked for more money, and they allow the children who need the better, you know, education standards to fall completely underserved. So they're typically taking kids where, again, you mentioned there's like that extra budget for special education that draws away from the main program. That's 100% being enabled more in charter schools. And similarly with kids that already have like really high performing statistics in schools, um, they're, you know, really sought after by the charter schools so that at the end of the year, the charter school can say, look how good our numbers, look how good our students perform. We're a better school because our students have, they perform better. When in reality, I mean, they've just skimmed off the top of students who already do better in a standardized testing environment. Whether it's skimming or it's parents who are, we had to drive seven miles each way, you know, to drop them off. Whether it's, you know, parent involvement and parents saying, I'm going to make sure. We had parents coming down from the mountains to take their kids to the school. And so it's, it's also the ability of parents to get their kids there when there's no bus involved. Um, and that does give you, you know, people who have the, the means to do that. And we did, but I love that it was free because I couldn't afford to send any of my kids to the private schools that we have here along the front range. Many of which are just amazing schools, but 25, $45,000 a year, who has that kind of money when you have five kids. So for us, it was a perfect middle place between the local schools, which, you know, God bless them. I know they're trying and, and they do have to take every student and they do have to deal with the, the kids who have uh, learning disabilities and physical disabilities. And I, you know, I appreciate that, but I was also incredibly grateful for this opportunity for my own kids. So I, I, I don't think there's any yeah, and I think, answers. I think like the, the innovation that can take place when you start to open up what's, what's allowed for a school district that is taking place in some of the charter schools because they're less, you know, regulated really. I think that needs to just be brought to the public system. And I, I guess I'll, and, you know, I think you should bring up North well, in a second. I think, he was behind me for a long time and I've taken up a lot of time. I think but the I'll charter just schools kinda... are, are part of the public system. I mean, our charter school is completely tied to Boulder Valley School District. It's like and... a classic public-private partnership, you know. They, yeah. They're getting public and... dollars and they have private control over where the dollars go. And the private control is the, is the parents. But there's, well, there's charter schools really. here. The school administration can just be just as corrupt in a charter school as any any other institution. And they often are just kind of like vehicles for siphoning money away from the school district. You That's know, not like, what I've observed. When the students we go. Schools, we have charter schools in Boulder that are just for musical theater or for science or for athletics. I mean, the. These charter schools and the people who form them are an incredibly dynamic group of people. They're not just there to make a buck. I do know that that side of it exists. I, I've seen it. But my, my experience here in town is just there's some really dynamic stuff happening, and it's the, kid, the kids who win. Well, anyways, I would just say as a closing thought, um, I think you got to be more wary of you know, a move like getting rid of the the Federal Board of Education or getting rid of, um, you know, whatever sort of protections are left for the public schools and, and just letting, the, you know, this bill seems to me to be kind of encouraging an all-out war between factions of parents and factions of educators, and it's not actually going to 
help the children. It seems like both of these moves, getting rid of the Board of Education and, and this bill, seem to me to be geared towards privatizing. And I don't think that that's going to be good for children. But I'm going to get out your call, Q, but thanks for taking Thank you for participating. That's awesome. North, what do you have to say? Oh, wait, no, that's Gainer again. No, that's Gainer again. Yeah, just one question is, where in this bill does it say anything about getting these babies fed? A proper, nutritious meal, everything they need to succeed. I have it addresses that. But I think parents ultimately are feeding their children. The parents should have, all, all the working class parents of America should have to take some time out of their evening to uh, be the, prepare a meal for their child the next day as well. I would like to see the government feeding people and more of people being empowered with their finances by having less taxes and, you know, to feed them. So I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that as a food uh, feeding children is not involved in this bill whatsoever. If I'm, I I don't know. It might be. I do not believe it is. Okay. Next. These people aren't really interested. The interest of this bill is not taking care of children, but appeasing uh, adults and specifically conservative adults. But. I'll say this, it's, it's, it's relatively reasonable and I do consider it some form of progress, but like Andrew said before, I just, I don't think, it, and I think Jade mentioned as well, it doesn't attack the root issues of what the real problem is. It seems like y'all are complaining about this very terrible thing you have to subject your children to instead of, and instead of really taking the real steps necessary to ensure a legitimate education, it's like, you just want to make sure that... You're breaking up, Brady, so I'm going to ask to take the next caller. I appreciate your words. Hey. Hey, Vlad, what's up? Uh, uh, basically, uh, I know from this bill, uh, basically it's to address the problems of, you know how uh, the uh, FBI was weaponized by the Biden administration to go after parents? Why? Because they didn't want to answer the parents. It's not about food. Okay, if they go private, I think it would be ideal to, in comparison to what well, I'm going to say, the corrupt system of education that we have now, for it to go, you know, use a voucher program to pay for private, I think that would be, be better off. Or semi-private and public, that would be better off. Anything better than this. Now, as regards to the charter school system, I have a niece who works there. Uh, a niece, uh, uh, only whites in the family from Mississippi that married my nephew. She's an administrator. Those are excellent schools. Her child is getting an excellent education. Obviously, taxpayer money, like all of us, have contributed to that. And it's nowhere close to the nonsense like here, the Unified School District. And all this, you know, every year, more money for what? It's not producing better students. I would much, if I could afford, like, kind of like what you said earlier, uh, uh, Jenny, 
in regards to sending off if you could afford $45,000 a pop for each student for, you know, five of your children. That's, I mean, you got to be rich, right? So imagine if you could afford someone, somewhat semi-public education where it's smaller room, more quality teachers, and they have to answer to parents because it's still taxpayer money. And it's not just about money. It's about getting a better education. It is way better than unifying. I think the system, not only from the Department of Education, all those things need to disappear. They just been a big waste of our taxpayers. And the things that they're pushing, the ideologies, they need to go. We need a better system. We're a joke before the world. Our school system here in America, we're a joke before the world. Take it away. I appreciate your thoughts, Vlad, and I agree with many of them. I I have done everything, you know, uh, homeschool, charter school, regular public school. We never had the money to go private, but I've had a lot of friends whose children were in private schools. And, you know, I'm a new grandma. I'm thinking about the next generation of Hatches who are coming along. What's it going to be like for them? I don't like the direction our schools have gone over the last 10, 20 years. I think Common Core has deprived so many of our students of a rigorous academic experience. And what replaced that rigor is just a lot of nonsense, a lot of politicization of the classroom. People hate libs of TikTok, but if she did nothing else, she went and took videos, mostly from educators, and without much comment, just put them on her Twitter feed. And for that, she was deplatformed and censored. But she was just trying to get the word out about what was happening in certain classrooms. And I think this opening up of allowing the parents to curriculum, allowing them to fire people as needed, I'm completely on board with the Department of Ed being abolished. It never should have been created in the first place. Everybody should have had all sorts of red flags going off back in the day saying, we do not want the feds involved in our education system. And yet when Jimmy Carter set up that department, brought in the first department chair, you know, into his cabinet, things changed in America significantly. And so for Trump to say, hey, we're going to get rid of it, I think that's a good step. I would like to see local control, states and local communities, local school boards, PTAs, parent-teacher organizations, and local citizens involved in their schools instead of a top-down system like we've got right now. So I've been going now for about an hour and a half. I'm getting tired. Does anybody else have anything you want to share? Can I say some last words for the next minute before you go? And I want to thank you for the program. It's very educational, and we need more programs like this, like what you're saying, Jenny. Uh, Back in the 1800s, when there was still some form of homeschooling, and, of course, America wasn't as developed as it is now. It wasn't the powerhouse, you know, as it is now and everything. We didn't have all these problems. Well, there was better quality education. There was no Department of Education. And they did much better, and they taught the classics. I mean, they integrated Greek, Latin. They integrated uh, English, uh, mathematics, and science and history. And it wasn't politicized. We need to go back to those times. They produced the best American, whether rural America or or closer to metropolitan America, you know, California, New York, that's Washington. It created great Americans with a little bit of education. The children were not made to go all day to school and you bogged them down, you exhaust them, you know? But you didn't, it wasn't politicized. We need to go back to an era where we had good quality education, 
and put the political nonsense BS outside. Thank you, Vlad. I really appreciate your views. And I so appreciate everybody who participated and joined in the conversation. I hope this is the beginning of many of these types of conversations. We need to have them. We need to have vigorous debate and, and not allow the moneyed interests to come in and take over. That would be a nightmare. And I, I'm completely on board with um, what Andrew articulated in terms of having private interests take over. That, that would be as bad as what we have right now. And if they try to do it under the banner of being right wing or Republican or whatever, you know, I'm not a Republican. I'm not, I'm an unaffiliated American woman. I, I try to look at both sides. I try to hear both voices. I do tend to, to, to be a polemicist and use the right and the far left to kind of bounce off each other so that we can hopefully find someplace significant in the middle where we can all live peaceably. That's my goal. And it's always been my goal. Most of my best friends are progressives. They often make fun of me that I'm, I'm a far right uh, anarchist type person. And that's okay. You know, we can make fun of each other and it can still be okay. But I do feel passionately about children being taught how to read correctly, how to do real math, and how to um, be good American citizens. I don't, I don't want them being taught in a Maoist way in struggle sessions in the classroom um, how to think a certain way, a nonsensical way. Those are the big issues I have with current education. These tactics, as Gator pointed out, have been used historically to brainwash children and get them to be uh, little minders of their parents and grandparents, telling secrets on them and working as little apparatchiks of the state. We don't need that in America. That is an abomination, in my opinion. And anything we can do to expose that, help stop it, reverse it, get it back to where teachers are sharing good information with their students, and then those students are able to perform well in their daily lives, whatever that looks like. They may go to college, they may not, but we want our American children to be taught American values of liberty, free expression, the traditional values that made our country great, real democracy. Those are the things I'm all about. So thanks again for everybody stopping by. I hope you have a great day.